Amen. Well, it's great to have you here this morning. Okay, one of you are happy to be here. Amen. How many of you are glad you're alive today? Would you raise your hand high in the air? All right, the alternative is heaven. That's okay. We'll look forward to that too. But it's good to be alive, good to be here, good to be able to worship. And I would ask, how have you come today? That song just asks us, how have I come? Have I come wounded? Have I come, you know, needing a pardon? How did you come today? I hope you came excited. I hope you came ready to get something from the Word of God. Everything we've done up to this point has led to this point right here, the preaching of the Word of God. And this will carry us through to the invitation time, the time when we'll decide, what am I going to do with what I've heard today? If you had to stop right now, what would you do with what you've heard already today? I hope there's a decision that could be made. I uh, took some good ribbing today to be back today. Uh, pastor contacted me on Friday. He texted me and said, hey, where are you preaching Sunday? And I said, uh, I said, right now I'm just going to visit Sarnia. I haven't been there for a while. And he goes, could you preach for me? I'm not, I'm not uh, of good voice and feeling that good. So I said, sure, I would love to. And so to hear that 10 preachers were called before me and they said, no, I have to ask, what's wrong with you? Why don't they want to come here? Why don't they want to be with you? He didn't call 10 preachers. He called one. He called his best friend. He called the only guy that he would ever call. He called some other guy, and he was busy, so I came, all right? Um, I will tell you this, that uh, I had a few openings uh, over the next few weeks, about four or five weeks, and uh, I said, hey, I said, I want to fill those openings, so I put an email out to all the preachers in Canada, and I said to the guys in Ontario, I said, hey, if you're in Ontario and uh, you would allow, I will come and preach for you for free. And I'll buy your lunch. My father-in-law used to do that all the time, just so he'd have an opportunity to preach. Preachers want to preach. And so Brother Fury was very kind. He texted me, said, what do we have to do to just get the free lunch? So that's the kind of friends I have. And uh, he worked it out. So he's, he's going to miss the free lunch today. Somebody's going to get a free lunch. And uh, that's going to be awesome. I will tell you that the, the Lord is already working. The Holy Spirit's already moving some people. My dad has moved from the back right-hand corner up to the middle of the auditorium. He's this close to the altar. Maybe today. Maybe today. So came down to sit with that hot-looking little blonde there next to him. So that's my wife, for those of you that don't know. All right. So let's take our Bibles this morning. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, I want to give you this message this morning, the curtailing of casual Christianity. The curtailing of casual Christianity. Growing up in the 60s, 70s, and 80s was an unusual time. How many of you grew up in that time period? Those were your childhood and teenage years, all right? Uh, You are officially now old, just so you know that, all right? Uh, 60s, 70s, and 80s. It was a massive transitional time. Now, I was born in 1963. I'm 58 years of age this year. So growing up in the 60s, the last part of the 60s there, uh, went through the 70s, the hippie generation, peace, cool, groovy, uh, bell bottoms, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I've gone from hot rods to hippies, from crew cuts to mullets to Caesar cuts in hairstyles. I've had pretty much the same hairstyle my whole life. My dad was uh, one of those guys, he wanted to save a few bucks, so he cut my hair, and it was always the same style. Bowl on top, razor around. It was one of those cuts. Actually did a pretty good job. 
And I remember as a kid, you know, going to the barber, getting my hair cut short. Uh, our pastor, Dr. Strachan, made it very clear that having long hair was a shame uh, to a man. And so we always had short hair, always above the ears, off the collar of the back. If it ever started getting long, and in my teenage years, I wanted to rebel a little bit, I, I actually grew my hair longer and parted it in the middle. Remember those styles? They'll flip over on the side. Some of you have that part going, but now it's really wide. And... Um, and so I went through that. I remember my, my high school pictures. I went to Simcoe Composite School. And uh, standing in the pictures my, in my grade 7 and 8 year or two, uh, everybody in my class, all the guys had long hair, most of them to their shoulders. I was the only kid with short hair in most of those pictures. It was a great time of growing up and being separated. I've gone from bib overalls to bell bottoms, from leisure suits to what is a suit? Not many today wear a suit, and that's not part of the job uh, protocol anymore. I've progressively watched a society of people go from distinctive divisions, men and women. That was very distinct. Again, I remember our pastor, when I was a kid, saying this. He said, you don't get your hair cut at a unisex hair salon. Remember those times? And he would say that, Joe, you'd remember better than me. He would say that, I believe that those preachers in that time saw this day coming. I believe they were a little bit prophetical. They saw that things were beginning to merge. And today, there is a great confusion in this world between what is a man and what is a woman, and should there be a distinction between them? I grew up in a very clear distinction. Men were men, and women were women. And men were to treat women like women, like ladies, to open the door. Amen? You'd still like that, wouldn't you, ladies? Open the door, kind of hold them on a pedestal, tell them how lovely they look, those kind of things. And as men, we were to be manly. Uh, I, I became the chaplain of... Um, our fire department and so I've been going in and meeting with some guys and we were sitting around talking the other day and most of them like us are about ready to be completely done with all this stuff that's going on and and so I said to him I said guys can you imagine your grandfather's going through this time and they're all like oh man you know my my grandpa went to work every day if he cut his arm off he went to work the next day and I can attest I had that kind of grandpa and I had that kind of dad you didn't you didn't call in you crawled in and so, a little bit different today. Uh, I grew up in that time, progressively watching a society uh, go apart. Uh, I had play clothes, and I had dress clothes. Remember those days? And you never wore your dress clothes out to play. You had a good pair of pants, and you had a good shirt. And, and as a boy, I remember getting my first suit. That was a big deal. And some of you remember, uh, I, I think that I got it from Bud's downtown Simcoe, where Harry Strachan used to live. Bud's down on the corner of uh, Robinson and, and uh, Norfolk Street. And so we got in there, got a suit. And that was, that was for church. That was for serious times. You didn't wear that. And then your play clothes, you just, you know, a lot of them had holes in them. Today, they buy them. Uh, they buy jeans that are $100 because they have tears and rips in them. We put patches on them in our day because we didn't want people to know that they'd worn out. Now, I could have been a millionaire selling my old jeans. There was conservative and there was liberal. And there was very clear distinction between them. I hate to tell you today, but our conservative party and our liberal party look very much the same. Other than fiscally, they are very much the same. Bill C-4 just passed in our House of Commons unanimously, which says that it is now illegal for someone to uh, counsel someone 
to leave their homosexuality or to leave their transgender position. It is now illegal for someone to counsel them to do that. You can pay heavy fines and actual prison time. Passed unanimously in our House of Commons. All parties agreed. There was a day when that would not have happened in our country. There was a day when it was different. Now it's the same. I remember super strict and almost lawless. There were some very strict things that went on in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. There were some very clearly defined standards. There were some clearly defined things that you did and did not do. Today, that line has been almost erased. There were church going, and there were agnostics and atheists. Boy, again, as a kid, and I don't always want to live in the past because we're not going back there. We're never going to have that again. But I just remember, and you remember too, it seemed like more people went to church. You, you think of this town, Simcoe, and when I was a kid, about 8,000 people. I think now it's, what, 15, maybe 20,000 people. Think of all the churches in this town. I mean, Baptist churches. There's three, maybe four. There's Pentecostal church. There's, there's a Lutheran church. There's, a Catholic, there's two Catholic churches. There's, there's multiple churches in this town because people went to church. And a lot of them were filled, and not just Christmas and Easter. Life was much different for much of my life, and sometimes I struggle with that today. I'm one of those people. I, I, I kind of like the way it was. I grew up in the wrong generation. I should, have been, I should have been born in the 30s or 40s and come up through those 50s and 60s. I, I just loved that time period. There was such a distinction then. If you were born in the 90s or later, you've had your own transitions, though more subtle. If in many, if not all, aspects of life, casual is king. Casual is king for almost everything today. For work, it's casual. Everybody dresses casual. I went into my lawyer's office not too long ago, back in the summer, and my lawyer had on a pair of shorts and a t-shirt. I, I, I was shocked. This was a lawyer. When I went to Bible school, we were drilled that you look like a preacher. When you go to the bank, you wear a suit. When you go to the, the garage, you wear a suit. You know, you, you were a preacher. You look like a preacher. And so I did for much of my life. And then casual moved in. That casual moved in for weddings. I remember you have a wedding and everybody got dressed up. Men put on a suit, lady put on a dress, had the bride and groom come at tuxedos a lot of times, really got dressed up, had the big meal afterwards, sat down, had a wonderful time. That's changed funerals again growing up i was taught that you respect those i gotta fix this microphone it's driving me crazy there we go when i was a kid growing up when you went to a funeral you showed respect for the dead you wore black to show mourning you went in you were quiet i remember my grandpa stone he took me up it was his brother that passed away i'd never seen a dead body before my grandpa pulls me right up to the casket First dead body I've ever seen. I'm, I'm like, I don't know, eight, maybe seven, eight, nine years of age. And he goes, death is cold. And he takes my hand and puts it on his dead hand. <laughs> he said, he's gone to be with the Lord. This body is no longer needed. And you were very respectful. The other day, a hearse drove by me, and I was the only person who pulled off and stopped to show respect for the dead. Some things have changed, and, and not always for the better. The word casual is defined as relaxed or unconcerned, not regular or permanent, and without formality of style or manner. For most of my lifetime, there were times to be relaxed and unconcerned. 
But there were times when casual was not only not accepted, it was not tolerated. It wasn't tolerated in weddings. It wasn't tolerated for a funeral. It wasn't tolerated in school. When I went to Simcoe Compton School, we weren't allowed to wear a baseball hat to class. We weren't allowed to chew gum in the classroom. We weren't allowed to wear shorts in the summer. That wasn't that long ago. Right here in this town, in that school that many of you went to, many of you will remember. But there were times when casual was accepted as well. You dressed up, you listened up, and as a kid, you shut up. I struggled today, not so much with the attire of the day, but the casual attitudes of the day. This attitude of, let's relax. We don't need to be concerned. Everything's just okay. That attitude of nothing's permanent. We have no permanent job anymore. You have no permanent marriage anymore. You don't have permanent things in life anymore. I struggle with that. My greatest struggle is with what I see as a growing casual Christianity. Casual Christianity. Let me say that what I'm going to say may bother you today. And that's okay. I hope it does. I hope for some you say, preacher, that's right where I am. That's right where I need to be. And some of you will say, you know what, I don't like that. And that's okay. You can challenge it. You can look at the scriptures with me. And you can make your own clarification. My struggle with casual Christianity is that some of it is relaxed and unconcerned. My struggle with casual Christianity is that it's not regular or permanent. My struggle with casual Christianity is it's without formality or style or manner. Now let me say what many of you are thinking. In times past, mine and some of yours. Some did measure spirituality by appearance. If you didn't wear the certain garb, you weren't spiritual. If you didn't do certain things, you weren't spiritual. If you didn't carry the right Bible, you weren't spiritual. If you didn't use the right hymn book, you weren't spiritual. And that wasn't right. That wasn't right. Standards are good. Standards are a good thing to have. We all have standards of some type in our lives. But standards became almost too much. I get that. I understand that. I've talked to a lot of men that are older than me that went through that. And again, I think it was preachers seeing this day coming. I think they were thinking we need to hang on and, and, and stay in this standard as long as we can because there is, a, there is a casual change coming. They saw it. Over 50, 60 years ago, the whole homosexual agenda began. We, we think it just crept up on us now. No, it's been coming for years. And so they saw that coming and said, listen, we have got to get people. We've got to hold on as long as we can. So they came up with some very strong standards. Some promoted personal standards as doctrine. And that wasn't right. Standards are a preference. Standards are something that we decide on our own. We judge by the scriptures. We help uh, uh, limit by the scriptures. But a lot of it was personal. And some of it just say that we were pressured people into being faithful and active. I ask young people now, why don't you come to church on Sunday nights? And they'll say this, well, it, we don't really feel like we have to. Or we need to. When I was a kid growing up, you came Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, revival, bus meeting. You were here all the time. And we've gotten to a place where it's become more casual. If, if you want to come, you know, if you feel a need to come. And I have to say this, that, that I love coming to church. I love going to church. I love it. I, I love Sunday morning. It, it's, it's an unusual service. I like Sunday night. Sunday night used to be my favorite service because it was a little more, it was a little more uh, less time restrained. 
it was a little more flexible, and we could teach things to maybe a little bit stronger Christian on Sunday nights. I really enjoyed those times, and it was some of our best crowds at Bible Baptist Church. I remember those things. We've seen a pendulum swing from one, sometimes extreme, to another. And I want to plead the cause for a balanced, less, less dominant, and less casual Christianity today. I, I want to keep some things in our lives that allow us to be prepared for the coming of Jesus Christ. What we see in Hebrews chapter 10 this morning. Would you look there at chapter 10, verse 21? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 21 says this, And having a high priest over the house of God. We'll stop there for just a second. Okay, who is that high priest? Jesus Christ. The high priest was the one who led and ordered and dictated worship. And he got that from God's word. So we have that today. Verse 22, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. What was the definition again of, of casual? Huh. Not regular, not permanent. For he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Hey, church, I love you. Hey, church, keep doing the good things. Hey, church, great singing this morning. Hey, church, I'm glad you're here. That's provoking to good works and love. Then it says in verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Now, there are two schools of thought. That means turning yourself away from Christianity and turning your back on the church completely. But there, that's not necessarily the meaning here. The stronger meaning is don't miss worship time. Don't miss when the word of God is open. Don't miss those times when you can come and get more of the things of God. It says, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. Exhorting, we'll look at that in a minute. And so much the what? What's that next word? More. Say it with me, church. More. So much the what? More. Not less. So much the more. Exhorting? More. Being faithful to attendance? More. B being right in your conviction and heart and salvation? More. Why? As you see the day approaching. What day? The approaching, the approaching of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now today, would you be vocal for me in just a moment? How many of us over the last 18 months, 19 months, have seen and heard and thought about, man, it looks like the coming of Christ could be closer than what we have thought a year and a half or two years ago. Amen? How many, how many of you see it? I see it. I see it. I see much of what is being done as a conditioning it is a conditioning for that time when the government will say, listen, you either take this mark or you're not going to the restaurant or the grocery store or to work. I see it. I see it. Some people said, is this vaccination the mark of the beast? No, it's not. No, it is not. But it's a conditioning. I believe that. I believe that Christ is coming soon. I believe sooner than I thought four or five years ago. I can see it. And I can see a whole world being conditioned and a whole world falling in line with that. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a small portion that says, no, we're not going to do it. But most are saying, yeah, let, let's do it. 
Let's just fall in line. And so in that day, when I see the coming of Christ, I think that we need to urge one another to be more faithful and to curtail a casual Christianity. I want to see how we can do that first this morning by, number one, a clean, committed, and clear conscience. Verse 22, look at it. It says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. What does that mean? We're born again. We're saved. We know Christ. Our life is different than it was before Jesus Christ. Some things have changed. When I got saved, I changed. I was nine years old. I changed at nine years of age. My parents would tell you, I changed from what I was as a kid. And through this time, from then till now, my life is continually changing because I'm trying to leave the things of the flesh, the things of my own personal fleshly desires, to have more of the things of Jesus Christ. And that is an evident sign of Christ in your life. You will change. If you come to church week after week, but you never change, I have to question whether or not you're really saved. I have to question your salvation experience. We ought to be growing in the things of faith. John Barnes wrote, an evil conscience is a conscience oppressed with sin. That is a conscience that accuses of guilt because our sins are forgiven. And since they are freely pardoned, they no longer produce remorse and the fear of future wrath. So when I got saved, not only did I get Christ in my life, I lost the fear of death. So many people are afraid of death today. Christians are afraid of death today. Why are we so afraid to die? If we die, we go to heaven. Amen? If you're saved, you do. Maybe the reason for the fear is we're not so sure of that salvation. Maybe the fear is we don't really know if we trust the word of God. My Bible says that if I am absent from this life, if I'm absent from this body, I am present with the Lord. We've got to remember that as Christians. Let me ask of us how clean, how committed and clear are our consciences. Can we in good conscience say our hearts, minds, and lives are clean or are those tainted or corrupted lives that we're living? How clean is your life? Let's take our lives and let's put it on the screen this morning. Let's take the hidden camera that's been uh, hidden away from us this week or this month and let's find all those times when you're alone. Let's find all those times when nobody's watching. Let's find all those times when we have that, 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 uh, that shield around us and let's put that on the screen this morning and see how many of us would be uh, happy to have that shown and how many of us would be sadly embarrassed. How many of us in good conscience just say we have a full assurance of our faith or do we waver in a lack of faith? How strong is your faith today? We we heard several people and, and friends of mine, friends from this church that I've known for years, have cancer. Sue and Rick, I, I grew up with them. They have cancer. And it seems like almost everybody we know has some form of cancer today. It's a terrible word. And I've asked myself, what happens when the doctor says to me, because I believe I'll probably hear it one day, you've got cancer. Am I, am I going to wilt away? Am I going to begin to worry? Am I going to doubt the things of God? Or am I going to say to people, hey, listen, I'm dying. And in my dying breast, I want to tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to share with you what God has done for me. Let me ask you, in good conscience, can we say our hearts are at peace or are we oppressed with sin? A casual Christi- Christianity begins with Christians who do not recognize sin, confess, or repent it. When's the last time you went to God and said, God, I'm a sinner. 
I, I, I confess that before you. I repent of that. Again, do you remember those days when an invitation would be given in, in this church and many of our churches, and, and the altars would be filled with people, packed with people. The front row would have to be used. People come forward weeping, and God, I'm a sinner, and I'm not right with you, and I, I want to repent of that sin. And I said that many times we were great confessors, but not always the best repenters. Repent means I turn away. I did it. I'm ashamed of it. I confess it before you, and I'm not going there again to the best of my ability. A casual Christianity just kind of lets it go. I'll deal with it later. It's not permanent. I mean, it's, it's not something I really have to worry about right now. It's not really that big a deal, and nobody really knows about it, and God hasn't killed me yet. I've never seen a time when so few are moved to answer an altar call. I'm traveling across our country in the United States and giving altar call after altar call after altar call. And a few people come. I started doing something a little bit different. I understand with COVID, there was a time when we didn't feel comfortable doing that. We weren't supposed to do that. I understand that. I get that. So I started doing something different where I have people stand. And we'll we'll do that today. And I'll have you pray. And when you're done praying, you'll be seated. And I've had a few invitations where, you know, a large crowd of people stood for 5, 10, 15 minutes and prayed. But most times it's just a few minutes and we're done. And I realize that not all of us have to deal with great sin when we come to church, but there, there's just something different. And, and that's not really promoted. We don't want to embarrass people. We don't want to center people out. Well, there was a day when we didn't mind doing that and people got saved. And we saw revival. And, and we don't do that today and we don't hear so much of it. We either, we're either that spiritual or think that we've dealt with what's heard Or we've become casual. And then we see this curtail of casual Christianity. Number two, a proper, practical, and proven profession. My grandpa said, my grandpa Stone said over 50 years ago, that a high percentage of those in our churches were not really saved at all. I remember as a kid hearing that. I was shocked when he said that. He was a lay preacher, preached in some different churches in town, godly man. I remember him saying that. We may be afraid to know what percentage of our churches, this church today really is saved. It, it might shock us. People are coming just to have a better life. People are coming because that's what we've always done. People have come because, you know, it's, it, it's a, a good help for my family. Not because we're saved. Not because we know Christ. Is your profession of faith proper, trusting in Christ for salvation of your soul? Is your profession of faith practical? Has there been an obvious and growing change in your life since that time? And is your profession of faith today proven by his continual solidification and inward and outward demonstration? Inwardly, how are you professing Christ? Are you thinking about it? Are you conscious of it? Are you, are you wanting to strive to a better fulfillment of that in your life? Or are you just saying, I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. That's all I need. All that other stuff is for everybody else. Outwardly, how are you demonstrating your salvation of Jesus Christ? Who's the last person you told that you were a Christian? Who's the last person you told, listen, I don't participate in that because I'm a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. Hey, how come you never swear at work? Because I'm a believer in Jesus Christ and I just don't think it's good. How come you look that way? How come you sound that way? How come you don't participate in those things? Because I love Jesus Christ, he's my savior, and I have separated myself from the things of this world so that I can live better for Jesus Christ. 
Let me ask you this. Who's the last person you told about Jesus Christ? Who's the last person you said, listen, I've been reading my Bible, and the Bible says that we're all going to die and that there's going to come a judgment. Let me ask you today, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? When's the last time you asked somebody that? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Again, let me take you back a little bit. It seemed like every message we heard was soul winning, soul winning, soul winning, soul winning, soul winning, soul winning, soul winning. And people got saved because we are conscious of it. It was a formality. It wasn't casual. It was something that we began to think about every day. In fact, I remember a time when we quit having organized visitation because the pastor said, every day is soul winning. Every day is a time to talk to people about Christ. And we got to where we thought only Thursday night people could get saved. No, people can get saved all the time. But we've got to be talking to people about Christ in order for that to happen. What is the last great step of faith you took? Think about that. What's the last great step of faith that you took? It might have been a faith promise commitment. It might have been taking a Sunday school class. It might have been the person you married. It might have been the job that you took. It might have been the last business transaction that you had. What's the last great step of faith that you've taken? Can I tell you that most of us would say, I can't remember or I haven't. Let's test God today. In, in the strong, vibrant Christianity that we want and know, let's test God. God, what can we do? Well, we're going to try and reach every home in Canada with the gospel. And we're doing it. By your help, we're doing it. Just finished British Columbia, moving to Alberta. Over 10 million John and Romans placed in a home because of folks like you. There's a step of faith. Step of faith. The curtail of casual Christianity starts when Christians are so in tune with God that God is then able to use them to promote his will in their lives and in the lives of others. And then finally we see this. We see the curtail of casual Christianity with an exhibition, exhortation, and exaggeration. Look at verse 25 of our text with me if you would. This is famous. You know this. We've heard it many, many times. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. It was a problem in the first church as well. But exhorting one another. Church! We have church tonight. And I just happen to know that the preacher is phenomenal. It's me. I'm back tonight. I'm going to preach tonight on, I think I'm losing my mind. And some of you say, oh, you lost that a long time ago. <laughs> I'm going to preach again tonight. And I know some of you are going to go home, you're going to put your feet up, you're going to relax, you're going to get settled in, and it's going to come 4.30, you know, 4 o'clock, and you think, oh, man, I'm so comfortable. It's so warm. There's a snowstorm coming. It's cold outside, and Al Stone is preaching. Yeah, but Jesus Christ is going to be here. And, And God has told us to exhort one another. Hey, come tonight. Come and be a part tonight. Listen, it's one day out of the week. It's a couple hours of time. I won't keep you long, I promise. And, and we'll hear great music, and, and, and we'll have the reading of the Word of God, and we'll have an exhortation to, to do something better. And it's going to be a help message. It's going to be for those that, that struggle with maybe some anxiety and depression and maybe some hardship and maybe even the difficulty of these last few years or months. And it'll be a help to you. Let me exhort you to come. Let me encourage you to come. Then it says this. And so much the more. 
so much the more. Church Wednesday. Church revival. Church prayer meeting. Church seniors meeting. Anything you can get a hold of. This is why we are born for this moment. This is why we're here. When we trust in Christ, we put aside the things of this world and we said we're going to take on the things of God. And here's what I see in a casual Christianity. We take on a whole lot more of the world today than we do the things of Christ. Let's be honest. We'll take time and spend a lot of money to go to a hockey game or a concert But when it comes to the preaching of the word of God, we hesitate. We hesitate. Why? Well, I think we've gotten casual. I see the day approaching, and I see, unfortunately, in many churches, less and less. Maybe not so much here in this church, but are there some who are less about the gathering of the assembly together? Yeah. I see the day approaching and I see less and less exhortation. The, the, inc- the inciting of others by argument, warning, or advice. Hey, you need to be here. That's one way. Hey, could, could I tell you that we're going to have a great service tonight? Can I tell you that's going to be... I'm praying the Holy Spirit comes down and lights upon us. I'm praying revival starts tonight. I'm praying that God gets a hold of us and and we have more than we've even had this morning and we leave here, we'll get together with Christians, we'll get together with the saints, we'll rejoice about the things of God. I I can do that or I can do this. Hey, could I give you some advice? It would be good for you to be here tonight. It'd be great for your growth in Christ. It'd be better for your walk in the things of the Lord. you'll, You'll, by the grace of God, leave here different than when you came in that next service. In an honest evaluation of your Christianity, is there any part of that that I've just said? Relaxed and unconcerned. I I don't really care about being more of a Christian. I'm fine with where I'm at. I'm not really more concerned about praying more. What I've got's enough. Go to church. Sunday morning, there's no Sunday night in the Bible. There's no Wednesday night in the Bible. You know, we're not commanded to go at those times. You know, they gathered, and so I've gathered this morning. So that's enough. I'm okay. Is there any part of that that's not regular or permanent in your life? Do you have a permanent fixture of Jesus Christ in your life? Are you saved? Do you know Christ is your Savior? Do you have a permanent fixture of the Holy Spirit comforting you, guiding, directing, and convicting you? Is that permanent? Or does that kind of come and go? Could I ask you, an honest evaluation of your Christianity, is there any part of that that's without formality of style or manner? Coming to church for me is, is a formality. It's formal for me. That's something I'm going to reverence. That's something I'm going to respect. That's something that I'm going to pay attention to. That's important to me. It's important to my kids. I'm at that stage in my life, and you know I have grandkids. And and to me, there are some things that I want to put into the lives of my grandkids. My dad was able to come up for Christmas, and I had my dad pray. I always like to have my dad pray when he comes from those things. I want my grandkids to hear their great-grandpa pray. I recorded it on my phone. My oldest is three. My dad's 80 years of age. 
there's a good chance that my grandson will not remember a lot of his grandpa. But he's going to remember this. He prayed. And when he prayed, he prayed for us. When he prayed, he prayed for our salvation. When he prayed for us, he prayed as a man who knew the Lord. And I'm going to say, here it is. Let me play it back for you again. And I'll hear that voice. Any chance today we could curtail in our lives today a relaxed and unconcerned Christianity? Any chance we could curtail those who are not regular or permanent? Could we curtail today without formality of style and manner in our lives? And could we get to a place where we say, listen, Lord, we know you're coming. Our loved ones are lost. Our world's a mess. There are people that have not heard. There's a need for the gospel. And there's a need for an example of Christianity. Could I say today that I believe that we're failing in the race of Christianity in some aspects because people don't know what Christians are anymore. They don't see us. They don't hear from us because we're afraid that we're going to be lumped together with some crackpot. Or some off-the-wall kind of guy. Can't we just live a good, moral, decent Christian life and let people see there's a difference? This is a humorous story, and I'll close with this. Went to the fire hall the other night. I'm, I'm trying to make my way in. I've, I've been able to counsel some of those guys, and a lot of them have problems, broken marriages. Almost every fireman in our fire department is divorced and remarried. Many of them drink probably too much off-duty. Some have done drugs. We just had a fireman commit suicide Christmas Eve. And I was in there the other night, and my wife said, hey, it looked like somebody went through the ice on the lake that we have in our town, little man-made lake, Lake Margaret. Looks like somebody went through the ice. And so I went into the fire hall that night, and I said, hey, did any of you go to that call, that, that person going through the ice? And they said, we don't, we don't know what you're talking about. We don't know that somebody went through the ice. I said, no. I said, I'm surprised. I said, my wife said that she read that somebody went through the ice. And not 15 seconds after I said that, the alarm goes off in the fire hall. And they all jump to their feet. Everybody's going. Both trucks are called. And they say this, respond to someone going through the ice in Lake Margaret. And those guys all looked at me. What? Preacher, how did you know? I said, I didn't. I said, my wife read it on a Facebook post in our neighborhood. Well, are you clairvoyant? Are you a prophet? I said, no, my wife just read it on Facebook. So they all head to the trucks, and as they're heading to the trucks, the alarm was called off. And the girl that does the dispatch came out, and she said, what is going on? I heard you just said that this happened. She said, you're leaving this firehouse. I said, what? She starts laughing. She goes, you have way too much of the Holy Spirit. You're out. Well, that wasn't a Holy Spirit thing, but I'm glad she recognized that somebody in the hall may have had some of the Holy Spirit or a lot of it. Who in your life would say, you have too much of the Holy Spirit? You scare me. Who, who in your life would say, you know what? I, I've been struggling and I have problems and, and I need help and you're the person that can help me because I've watched you. I've seen you go through these things. I've watched in your life when you lost that loved one. I saw when you lost your job and you never wavered. You're permanent. Or, or who in your life has said, wow, you're Christ. You're the embodiment of all that Christ was and is and wants us to be. 
Or is it just casual? I'm here. When I die, they'll say nice things and I'll be with the Lord, but that's pretty much it. I don't want a casual Christianity. I want something that's strong. I want something that speaks up. I I want something that the world can look at and say, that's what we need. Let's today, let's today work at the curtailing of a casual Christianity. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning for this time, for this privilege, for this opportunity to come into this place, O high priest of heaven, bridegroom of the church, savior of our soul, master, Jesus. We come before you. We humbly kneel before your presence this morning and thank you again for your holy word. We thank you for your exhortation. We thank you for your movement in our lives. Many of us thank you for our salvation. And Father God, today we thank you for the church. We thank you for Christianity. And we thank you for what we've had, what we've heard, and what we will hear in the days to come. And I pray today, God, I pray that we begin to curtail a casual Christianity today so that we might have something solid for our kids, permanent for our grandkids, and true for those around us who don't know the truth. Help us, I pray. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed today, how many of you say, Brother Stone, I know Jesus Christ is my Savior. I remember the day my life changed. I'm a born-again believer. Would you hold your hand up high in the air today and let me see how many people are Christians here today who are saved today? God bless you, amen. Man, that's a good number. Thank you so much. Let me ask the same question. Our heads are still bowed, our eyes are closed. Between you and me and God, and to be honest, it doesn't really matter about me, but I just want to know how to pray. I want to know how to direct this invitation. Is there even one here today say, Preacher, I... I just started coming to church, and, and I'm looking for the things of Christ, and, and it is casual for me because I, I'm just kind of starting out. I'm just kind of looking my way around. But today I realize I need to make Christ a permanent fixture in my life. How do I get Jesus to be my Savior? How do I get that hope of eternal life? How do I have things change in my life? How do I get saved? Is there one here today, see, preacher? I'm going to put my hand up just high enough so that you can see it. I, I, I know we get embarrassed today. I know we're a little reserved today. But would you put up just high enough so that I can see it, so I could pray and say, God, please help this person making their decision. Help them come to know Christ today. Would you let me do that? Is there one here today say, Preacher, I'm not saved. Would you slip your hand up just a little bit and say, that's me, that's me, that's me. Is there one? A man, a woman, teenager, that's me. All right, then by that testimony, I'm going to assume that all of us are saved here today. All of us know Christ. Now let me ask you today, how's your Christianity? Is it casual? How many of you have to say, preacher, I have not been as faithful as I should be to the things of God. I know it. I'm not going to pin them all down. I'll leave it broad today. But you know what I'm talking about. And you know what's pricked your heart this morning. How many say today, listen, there's some things that are casual in my Christianity today. And and I want to curtail that. I want to take care of that today. I want to get back to some things that are right. I I have a a problem of drifting. I have a problem of kind of nodding off in the things of Christ. And today I've been awakened. And today I believe I need to curtail some things in my life. Preacher, would you pray for me today? Would you slip your hand up and hold? for just a moment say that's me there's some things i need to some things i need to bring back around amen god bless you amen good number of hands amen god bless you amen 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 now here's what we're gonna do 
We're going to take care of that right now. We're going to deal with it right now. You can hold off and you can leave it for another time, but I'm telling you right now, as soon as you get out of your pew, people are going to start talking to you. You're going to forget about it. You're going to get in the car and you're going to say, where are we going for lunch? You're going to forget about it. You're going to have lunch and you're going to lay down this afternoon and have a little nap. You're going to forget about it. How about we deal with it right now? Right now. In a moment, we're going to stand to our feet. The piano is going to begin to play. When the piano begins to play, you're going to begin to pray. Our heads are going to be bowed. Our eyes are going to be closed. If at that time you would like to come forward and pray, there's already somebody here at the altar. You can come and kneel here at the altar. Say, I haven't been to the altar in a long time. How about today? How about we bring it back just today? How about we get started with that right now? And so you say, well, I don't really feel like I need to come forward, but there are some things I want to deal with. Well, you're going to pray, and you're going to pray and deal with God, and when God's done dealing with you, you can go ahead and be seated. Don't worry about being the first one because our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Nobody will know. But take that time right now to curtail the casual Christianity that may be impacting your life. Let's stand to our feet. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Your time to come to the altars right now. Let's all stand together. Heads bowed, eyes closed. This is your time to come. This is your time to come to the altar. I'll tell you, there's something about making that move. There's something about making that move that will change you. Come today. Say, I've never been. Come. Come. This is something about you and God alone. You've stepped out. You've made that move. But if you're not coming this morning, would you pray right where you're at? Say, Lord. Boy, my prayer life has not been very good. It's too casual. I only call on you when I really need you, not because I just love you. Got my Bible reading. I haven't picked up my Bible in so long. There's so much dust on it. I need to get back in the Word. God, I haven't told somebody about Christ in so long. I don't know if I remember how to. How about today? Say, Lord, help me be that soul winner. Help me to be that bold. How about this week we stop talking about COVID and start talking about Christ? There's no more to be said about COVID. It's all been said. We've all, we've all got arguments. We've all got stances. How about we just go out this week and say, hey, listen, you know what I've learned through this thing? People need Jesus Christ as their Savior. People have been scared and people have been worried and people have been sick and people have died. And, and we haven't talked much about Christ. Let's be less casual about our speaking of the Savior. Things of life will grow strangely dim when we put our eyes on him.